0: I think one of the problems also with kids, they say today, I don't think it's the kids that are the problem, I think it's us. And we always want to pass blame, like, hey, this is a new generation style of player, and and this and that, and each generation is going to be different. And it should be, That's, that's what makes, you know, being a human cool.
1: Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gelman and thank you so much for being here. Today we have the pleasure of getting to speak with Justin James, newly named head coach for Point Loma Nazarene University. Before taking over at Point Loma, Justin was the pitching coach for UCSD and made back-to-back World Series appearances. Coach James' staff has ranked fourth nationally in K's with a school record of 528 and averaged 9.3 K's per nine innings in 2018. On the show, Justin and I discuss in-depth with how he builds his pitching staff, and that includes individual responsibility, quotes of the day, weighted balls, and daily communication. In complete transparency, Justin and I recorded this episode just before he accepted the job at Point Loma, but let's get into the show with Justin, James. Coach James, thank you so much for joining us on the show today.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me think you do a great job so pretty excited to have this opportunity and um, I really look forward to whenever you're putting out new stuff and a little crazy that I'll be the next one
1: yeah no doubt no doubt and we talked at the ABCA in January and I'm so thankful to finally get you on the mic I know that Sheets swooped you up before I could get you on the mic and that you guys did a fantastic job and Sheets, Sheets obviously does a fantastic job on the ABCA podcast as well But I'm so glad to get you alone to get to dig in on how you develop pitchers. But before we get started, you know, just give us a short snapshot, a little bit of a background of how you got into coaching and what your baseball career looked like and whatever you want to take from there.
0: Sure. Yeah. I grew up in Pasadena, California, South Pasadena to be specific. Grew up through there, South Pasadena High School, and then ended up going the junior college route for many reasons. Wasn't a huge dude by any means. So going there to develop, uh, It was known at the time as one of the better developmental JCs in the area. Our head coach, Skip Clapperud, was uh, a madman, a genius guy. And so I wanted to go there instead of Pasadena City College. That was basically a second high school. And at that time, uh, Citrus was doing a really good job. So went there and tried out and ended up making it one of the best decisions I ever made. Pitched there for two years and learned a ton from him. Then had an opportunity to head down to Point Loma Nazarene, which was another great decision. Great people down there. Uh, Had some really good uh, pitching coaches help me, head coaches, assistant coaches. Um, Scott Sarver uh, was a head coach. And then under him was Jay Johnson, uh, who's currently at Arizona now. And how they taught the game and treated us and everything like that was plus plus. And once again, they were always kind of teaching not only baseball, but just kind of how to act on and off the field. And, and by those guys right there, it started to be, Hey, this coaching thing is really cool. I like how they act. It looks like they have a, a cool lifestyle. Uh They were good people. Uh So it became pretty addicting and, and fun. And from that, Experience. Then I was about to do my credential, start going the high school teaching route, and uh, doing lessons. And I realized that doing lessons was way more fun, way less hours, uh, and (laughs) way more productive uh, than sitting in a classroom trying to be the substitute teacher. So uh, I got rid of that idea really quick, (laughs) which saved me some money in the credential program. That's for sure. Uh, Had a couple of really bad days uh, substituting. Uh, mental toughness days, I guess we call it now. No doubt. And uh, just seeing some of the younger kids in, in lessons get better uh, and how that translated in some games. I think I just got addicted to it and just always wanted to be around the game. Uh, the interactions with guys, uh, other coaches, and then obviously the players. It was hard to get away from. So it just kind of kept progressing and, and increasing into high school coaching and then some travel ball stuff mixed in with that and then obviously into the coaching college rinks.
1: Oh, for sure. And to back up your mental toughness training at the, as a substitute teacher, there's definitely no tougher jobs, I think, in the world than substitute teaching. That's tough. Without question. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and start digging in on, you know, how you develop pitchers. So uh, you guys do a fantastic job and, you know, I started following you guys because of the article that you wrote for driveline and how you guys implemented a lot of the different stuff that they do in the team setting. And I just really started to, you know, dig in on that and just started to fall in love with what you guys were doing and just building the entire pitcher and the entire athlete as a pitcher. But talk to us about, you know, what does a typical week look like in the, in the fall? And, you know, where do we start? And it's, it's a little bit broad just because I want to see where you, where you're going to go with this, but how do we develop pitchers in the fall? First
0: off, it it takes good pitchers and pitchers willing to want to do that style of training uh, and to buy into it and stuff like that, first and foremost. And then obviously, I think in that particular article talked about having to have a head coach or someone, whoever's above you, allow for the freedom of some time and and some tweaks here and there, sometimes on the fly and to allow what you want to get done. Coach Schaefer at Point Loma was fantastic at that. He said, "Hey, don't really want to worry about pitchers. You take them. Uh, I'll tell you when I need them from Team D eventually. But that's your job." And that allowed for a lot of freedom and a lot of mistakes and and trying to find my own way. Same thing with Coach Newman currently. You know, at UC San Diego, big progressive guy wants his pitchers to be trained hard and and done the right way. That helps with the fall. Not everyone has that. So you kind of got to make it your own. You can do a ton of stuff. You can do all the stuff you can do just a little bit. But obviously your environment's going dic- to dictate that. So ours at Point Loma, when this first started, isn't too much different than what it is at UCSD right now. And basically what it is, you know, we're both two Division II schools And so basically you have a seven day work, uh, work week, Mm -hmm. and then five of those, uh, because of rules are going to be training days and four of those days, there's going to be lifting involved. So you got to get with your strength guy and let them know what days your pitchers are on, what day they're going to pin, what day they're going to be off, what day they're going to be throwing live. Typically a week will look like two high intent days, usually early in the week, end of the week type deal. There'll be two days off, and most of those days off are after are really in high intent days. And so that'll be the day after your bullpen. And then you'll have a a true day off after you actually throw live. That's been a little bit of change, which we can talk about uh, a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And then there'll be two recovery days and or one to two hybrid days, depending on how they're feeling some of the feedback sheets I'm getting from them, talking with them constantly. I try not to have dictatorship in in terms of that. I like it to flow. I like them to have that kind of freedom and trust to tell me what's going on, good or bad. And then what we'll do is we will have three to four pitcher meetings on mentality, purpose of the drills we're doing, our overall approach, and random readings that I'll print out that I'll read cuz I know they're busy with school but something that is relating to what I want to be teaching that week or what we experienced in our inner squads or in our training that can kind of tie it all together kind of vague but I think the important thing for the fall is make sure that the training is difficult and that doesn't mean it, you know you're destroying them not even close but I think in the past, uh, you know, I was at times maybe too careful and sometimes obviously probably too hard. So trying to find that happy medium has been getting closer and closer every year. I feel like it's getting better and better. I hope that's the case. That's kind of the goal in the off season is, is make sure that that's kind of going on. But overall, that's kind of what our week will look like and try to keep it fresh also. And, you know, within those days, those five training days, mechanic, mechanically or, or, or pitching approach, stuff like that, it can go in any direction. So that's why having uh, a plan for that week is really important. So you can make quick changes on the fly, uh, and make it more individual based for your pitching staff.
1: No, I love that. And I love that you add the classroom teaching element to that. And that's something that, you know, I've, I've really need to start doing more often is making sure that they know exactly what is expected of them. And if that's in a classroom setting, it is a lot more, uh, I, I don't know if you see this or not, but it's a lot more they really have to pay attention to what's going on rather than trying to explain it at practice and between drills and, and whatnot, which is good for reinforcement. But I really like the introduction for the classroom setting. And you mentioned that, you know, you, you like to, find that happy medium between, you know, pushing them too hard or not pushing them hard enough. Something that I've struggled with a little bit is trying to decide, you know, what to do with shutdown periods. So, you know, let's say in Texas our guys, they play all spring. So we start, you know, throwing in in December. We start practices in January. We start scrimmages in February. We play March, April, and May. And then they go right into summer ball for uh, June and July. And then we have them in the fall. And so I'm trying to figure out, do we shut them down for an extended period of time? Do we shut them down for just a week or two at a time? And is there a, I'm sure that, that the issues in California are the same that they can play year round, which is great, but it's also something that we have to, you know, concern ourselves with. So what, what has been your happy medium between that? And I know it's going to be individualized, but talk us through your process of what that would look like for you guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, everyone's kind of dealing with that uh, right now. And, you know, it goes back to being, uh, each individual is going to be different. So some way, somehow started to teach these guys or uh, get it across to be keeping track of how much they actually threw, uh, not all throwings kind of created equal. And we started to try and track every single high intent throw throughout, you know, the week, month, season out of season and stuff like that. So we get a little bit better idea. We might not always use that data, Mm -hmm. but if needed, it's there. And there's a way to continue to work and back off, you know, giving them straight days off. If possible, depending on your schedule, to give them a full month off from the actual throwing isn't a a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I think we think they're going to lose their skill we're going to lose, uh, how good they are by giving them time off. That's just natural coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I just, I disagree with that, where these guys are going to be fine. And what we need to do is we do need to give these guys time off. And, and there's been some other cool recovery stuff kind of coming out. It's like, it has sometimes nothing to do with pitching. Mm-hmm. These dudes need some time off mentally from the game. They need to be high school kids, college guys, and, and worry about, you know, some other stuff that might be stressing them out a little bit, it's because now that recovery process becomes better quality, you know, looking from those different aspects, I think is huge. So usually our guys are gone all summer. Uh, we've tried to limit that now where these guys are kind of only going out for a portion of the summer, which then... They're not pitching all the way through or playing all the way through August. They're actually going to summer ball June, July, and then allowing August to be kind of a recovery month. That's not always possible, but basically giving them a little taste of summer ball, but not that full deal anymore, uh, is smart and, and something that we're trying to do with our arms currently. Mm-hmm. And then obviously reading how they feel when they come back from all that throwing.
1: No, that's fantastic, and I, you know, I think that that's a that's a great approach to take the coaches up north is it they have a little different problems to deal with than the ones down south we all have our own unique problems but that's something that when the kids are playing year round to be you know concerned with and and it's everyone has their own theories but in the end i think it's i think you hit hit the nail on the head when just talking about how it's all an individual approach and they have to own you know what they're doing and and to monitor their workload and i love that but talking about you know the fall and you know so we're in the off season and you mentioned that one reason that you got into the your career as a coach that you thought it was really cool of, of the team setting and being able to build young men so are there any specific ways that you guys do that intentionally and just walk us through that a little bit
0: yeah so we obviously everyone wants to have a bunch of leaders you want to have some difference makers you want to have people learning these concepts um or players learn these concepts in the baseball setting that they can apply later uh, in life, and then also obviously try to help your 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 baseball team win. In and, and specifics to the pitching staff, we try to create a culture uh, within our team culture, so kind of like a, a, a family within the family, where we can kind of depend on each other and stuff like that. So, like I said, within the staff, I try to give uh, a lot of deadlines. Mm-hmm. I try to give simple instructions. That they can follow and have to be able to execute so I can see if they're doing it or not. Uh, I try to delegate a lot and that might be uh, a lot of people do it already, but you know, simply charting a bullpen or hey, I need this done. Even though I know I can get it done, I still try to give it to them to see if they can handle a little bit more responsibility. I think it's easy for us to say, hey, we want you to be a leader. We want you to have this growth, but we never give them a lot of opportunity to do it. You got to give them opportunity to mess it up, which is very frustrating at times, but the only way they're going to learn to be more responsible is, you know, to have responsibility. That's pretty simple to think about. But I think sometimes we back off of that because we don't want it to get messed up or, or we don't want the frustration from the coach's end. So within the pitching staff, we do that a lot and just really, really, really big on ownership on what they're doing. And basically, I try to be the best example possible for them for that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. And, and give them chances to, you know, show their leadership. I like to read about leadership and hand that to them in that kind of like classroom style setting and not have my opinion matter as much to them their opinion matters more so whenever we do that kind of stuff it's always I'll call on somebody random within the pitching staff and they have to answer it and I don't ask for hands up raised up because that guy knows the answer <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'll I usually look for the guy that puts his, his eyes down so he either didn't do the reading or he might not have a true answer so kind of put him on the spot mm-hmm. but when they're forced to answer questions and they know they actually might have to answer a question, they start kind of making sure, they start to make sure that they are getting the work done and they're actually locking in. If that's a quote or if that's a reading I'm giving them or an example, we've seen big, huge jumps in terms of that. I've been really lucky the past two years having two pitching staffs where from top to bottom, all our guys, and that's not exaggerating, all of our guys bought into this stuff. It's awesome. And it's not luck that these guys have had some success. They kind of took it over. It's, it's, it's cool to watch. It actually makes my day way easier when I know if I'm in a meeting or tied up at practice doing something else, we don't skip a beat because this guy's going to you know try to do it at his highest level. And then it absolutely ch- translates to pitching.
1: No, definitely. And again, you mentioned that. You love to read and I'm a huge fan of your traffic kryptonite on <laughs> yeah. on Twitter so you want to you want to talk us through that a little bit So
0: I I have two little girls and I have to I call it drive I call it Armageddon I got to drive south you know in San Diego traffic and then uh, all the way back up to UC San Diego typically in the morning where it's it can it's a little slow mm mm-hmm. Mhm I was always kind of coming back and, and complaining about traffic is like, Hey, this stinks, blah, blah, blah to my guys. And then mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. This exact thing I'm doing is what I'm teaching them not to do. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and fix. Um, so we have a thing called fix. Don't bitch. Oh, nice. And it's very simple, but what it is, is you need to find a fix in order to eliminate the complaining. So, through that, I just started, got into uh, audio books and you and I were going back and forth and talking about it too. And mm-hmm. I started following what you were doing and, and all these other guys. It's great. Um, it's like a online book club.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I'd say, Hey, this guy liked that book. So I'll get it. So then I would be sitting in traffic and all of a sudden traffic actually became kind of a cool place to be. All I had to do was sit down, look forward, don't hit anybody. And it went really fast by, you know, learning all these books uh, listening to all these books. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to try and give back and not spread my opinion on it, but just say, Hey, this book's out there. This is how I got it by seeing someone else post it. So started naming it the traffic kryptonite. And I would post like usually a quote from it, or at least who it was by and a picture of it. So if someone was interested, they can jump on it. And it's been kind of fun.
1: Definitely. And and I love that. And I think that most of our listeners, you know, if they're listening to a podcast, they're probably, you know, audio into audio books as well. And, and so you're a great follower for that. And and it, you can really get through a ton of books in a year if if you're just sitting in traffic. So instead of, you know, wasting our time griping about being in traffic, like you mentioned, we can be investing our time and doing a little automobile university. And I love that. And, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned that that if you're asking your kids to grow, then you need to grow as well. So, you know, that's something that I, that I take hard every single day. And, and if I'm not growing I and mean, I can't ask my kids to do something that I'm not doing, but You know, being a college coach and going around in the recruiting circuit all of the time and you see a ton of kids every single, you know, every single week. And so what are some of the most common problems you see with with kids and how can we as I don't want to say lower levels, but how can we not at the college level help our kids with that so you don't you don't have to or how can we help prevent these problems?
0: Oh, that's a great question. So I think one of the problems is. And this isn't news, but they play too much. And I think by playing too much, each game isn't as special as it used to be. So there's that level of excitement that I think in the past we were really excited to like be heading to our game. Now it's almost like it's a job and they're treating it, you know, oh, I have to be here right now. You kind of see that in the play. And then obviously velocities of some pitchers. You know, I saw a pitcher a month ago, and then now I see him again. I liked him; he's way down in velocity. Well, that kid is still the same kid; Mm -hmm. he's just beat down. So I think that's a an issue. But that's also once again they got to keep track of how many innings they're throwing, how often they're playing. Easier said than done. But they have to be able to say no to a certain tournament or you know a certain kind of training within their team and their training outside. think that's it i think there's a lot of info out there that they use which is great but i think we can all do a better job of trying to find out what info they are getting access to and explaining why it is good or bad or uh, how they can use it a little better i think one of the problems also with kids they say today i don't think it's the kids that are the problem i think it's us and you know we always want to pass blame, like, "Hey, this is a new generation style of, of player, and, and this and that." And each generation is gonna be different, and it should be. That's that's what makes you know being a human cool. And we need to, or let's I guess rephrase that: I need to do a better job on taking more responsibility for them not doing something the way I want it to. It's not their fault. They need to be taught the right way, just like we were taught. I was taught growing up playing the game instead of getting frustrated with them and then missing that learning point or a couple of topics that we can get better at. And I think that is pretty rampant. So I try and, for the most part, reverse that kind of thing, because they've heard it growing up the whole time. It's like, oh, your generation is, you know, they're not into it as much or or they question authority. They do kind of all this stuff. Well, they're in an environment where all that stuff is very easy. So of course they're going to do that. Um, So I've kind of tried to change my approach on that. Once again, I think it goes back to the earlier question on the leadership building, give them more stuff to do instead of we've tried to make this almost too easy on them at times. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is it snowballs in one direction, either or pretty quickly. So that's what I'm seeing. And that's how I'm trying to combat it a little bit either, you know, on the smaller stage within our team.
1: Sure, no doubt. And I like that a lot just staying on the same topic of you know leadership and and growing young men and that's that's a big part of it you don't you know in my opinion you don't become a man until you become responsible for what you say that you're going to do and so you know just you giving those kids the the responsibility to do what what you ask them to do is a big part of that but let's go ahead and skip forward and so let's talk about the spring so one when do we start ramping them up and what's your advice on that and then two What do we do with them, you know, based on the day and and the individual and whatnot? We could spend probably an entire episode on this particularly, but what do we do with them during practice?
0: Yeah, so basically, you know, the college and each level of college has kind of a different start date. Uh, High school's, you know, way different. Travel's way different. So I think what we try to do is we we try to find, start at the end, you know, what's day one and which I need to throw this guy live. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you you make your way back. I think, uh, you know, especially with me in the past, I would always be looking forward uh, and trying to build it that way. Uh, And so I felt going backwards was easier. It allowed for some more kind of off days and stuff like that. So from the college level, I go from back and then I get them starting to ramp up uh, during Christmas break with a Christmas break plan where, you know, they get some time off, you know, right when the fall ends. They need that. They're exhausted. They've been pushed. Hard in the weight room. They've been stressed out with finals. They've been doing all this, you know, all these kinds of stresses are on them. One of the coolest things is going back to school or going back home during Christmas break uh, and being with family and, and friends and, and this and that. So I think that's huge in the recovery process from that fall. So I give them a little bit of time to make sure that uh, that happens. That's not them being lazy, that's them setting up for this next phase. Mm-hmm. So Basically, I'll give uh, a four-week, three-week on-ramping. So we'll kind of re-on-ramp with just plyos and some long toss. And so that'll be three, four days a week, nothing crazy. So it's still kind of not a hardcore burden for them. But they're starting to get the workload up. They're getting the stressors that I want. And then as we get a couple of weeks away from them being live. I take away one of the max intent, either plyo or weighted ball days, and I start replacing that with uh, a bullpen on mound day. So as we get closer and closer, I take away the high intent stuff with the plyo or weighted balls. and start adding more of, hey, we got to start pitching now. You got to get those reps in, uh, and that we've had success with that. So basically what happens, I like to have and every guy's a little bit different. How much they're going to throw, but at least three to four pins on a slope, max intent wise, before they actually have to face a batter. And that is just planned out for multiple weeks at a time during the Christmas break or summer plan or or whatever your break might be. But they definitely don't go into it cold. In the past, uh, you know, as a player, this and that, and like they gave they gave plans. Uh, and plans have improved dramatically, I think, from the pitching end, at least uh, at, at some good programs, where in the past we would just be thrown into the fire right away. And Some guys were fine. Some guys, obviously, would always come back with cranky arms. It's a pretty good indicator the last few years. The guys who have a little bit of cranky arms when they come back uh, on my pitching staffs, they didn't follow the plan as much as i think they could have mm-hmm. now obviously there's some times where that's just gonna they're gonna get cranky no matter what this isn't uh, an absolute but it's definitely gives me a little bit of a red flag hey usually you get mad at that guy like hey you're gonna throw anyway because i i don't think you followed the plan well now it's kind of like okay i am not happy about this we're not happy as a team obviously about this but we also got to be smart and then monitor his first couple of weeks back. So, you know, we don't put him in a bad position, even though he made a bad decision training wise during the off season.
1: No, that's, that's really good. You know, something that, that I think you do a really good job of as well. And I have never been to a practice personally. I've seen what you have posted on social media and, and read what you've written, but it seems like you guys really take a, take a, a heavy stance on individual, individual development within the team setting. So what are some ways that if the coaches are listening want to be able to, to do that more instead of just, you know, here's our plan, here's what everybody's got and here's what everybody's doing today. Here's the drills that I want you guys to do. How do we develop the individuals in our program just essentially to help our team be better and help them be better?
0: So I think you do need to start with, hey, everybody, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. So we have two in season, we're going to have a starter plan. We're going to have a reliever plan. In the fall, basically, uh, we'll have only a fall plan. So there is a concrete, hey, everyone's on this to start. I think if you don't do that, then it becomes a lot more work and a lot more difficult to make changes, tweaks to to things. So we start with that plan. And then communication I mean, it's easier than we think it is. It, it's, it's, I use feedback sheets and I use my words and their words. We talk. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is we have this concrete plan and then we talk about, Hey, either through the feedback sheet, there's a section uh, we have that talks about what do you want to do or wh- anything you need uh, to get across or what do you want to say? And that's kind of between me and that player, unless it's like a team thing that, and then I'll ask them, Hey, is it okay if I bring this up with the team? Cause I think we can all get better at this. And once they know there's that trust in that section, you see some awesome stuff. So he'd be like, Hey, uh, I just felt like I was out of my legs a little bit, or, or I had this going on and I'm feeling really, really good. I'm feeling really, really bad. I want to work on this a little bit more in my pen. I want to work less on this. And then I use my best judgment. And then I'll go in and then I will respond to each feedback sheet as quick as possible. That can be difficult at times, uh, but it won't be more than, you know, two days after. Mm -hmm. So I can set up how their bullpen is. But then what I'll do is I'll give suggestions. Hey, we're going to do a little bit less of the, you know, the walking windup this week. But we're going to add a little bit more roll-ins, you know, some of these drills that we do. Or we're going to tweak the roll-in for you, give them what their sets are. And then I want you to get back with me in two days and and tell me how you're feeling. Are you feeling, you know, this is benefiting you. So through that feedback, I'm able to give them a different individual plan without having to make ginormous changes and and kind of confuse the rest of the pitching staff. Then it keeps going in the right direction. And then I always keep it filed away because they email me their feedback sheets. I keep it in a file over in, my email under obviously feedback sheets Mm -hmm. so I can look back in time and where this guy is going. I can, I can see how his arms feeling on a pretty simple scale. That's where I'm trying to get some improvement and better kind of feedback ways. Um, and then how to help them a little bit more, but to go full circle, I think you have to have a hard concrete plan to start, Mm -hmm. which then makes it easier to make tweaks individually, uh, week by week or even day by day if needed.
1: Oh, that's really good. And do you guys use like a Google drive to be able to share all of that stuff or is it just strictly through email?
0: In terms of the feedback? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So basically what happens is I, I don't hide any information from them Mm because I think that helps with them being more honest. Uh, so we keep, you know, numerous charts and during inner squads, bullpens, stuff like that. And once they're done, then I collect them and I use, uh, I just simply do I photo share. Okay. I take pictures of everything for them and then I created a pitching website for them where they have a resource that they can go online on their phone. They can do it on their computer at home. They upload the link. They can get their charts. They can see everyone else's charts and then there's another link to feedback sheets which is an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, That comes up. They can fill that in. Then they email it straight to me and so then I have it within my uh, inbox and I respond right back to their email. So then there's no more paper and that stuff's always up for them to look at, you know, a couple of weeks uh, prior or uh, previous and they can see their own progress and take some more ownership in it. And it's easy to organize uh, in case we're having some issues. I can go quickly back and look for the specific players, you know, numbers uh, and kind of what he's written back to me and his, Hey, what do I have to say? Or what do I want to prove on?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. I'm trying to get more, more and more away from paper if I can, just because, you know, if you're taking 30 pitchers charts or 30 mm-hmm. hitters charts, it, it adds up over time. And something else that I wanted to ask you about is you tweeted out a lot of numbers this spring. I had to ask you what some of them were. So can you t- talk to us about some of your favorite things to measure that you guys were tweeting out?
0: Yeah. So once uh, we do a lot of competitions. Mm hmm. And stuff like that. So I try to keep as many smaller stats as possible, uh, or actually just give them it back, so then they know how they got their wins and losses, because uh, everything has a win or a loss with us. So it's a lot of the things uh, you know I mentioned uh, with Jeremy and and everyone with the ABCA was. I started the positive response percentage, so we called it kind of like PRP percentage. And that was Adrian Orozco's kind of deal. My, uh, one of our assistants and pitching assistant this year, he killed it. Uh, so that was really good. Uh, I'll just do simple stuff like overall strike percentage. I'll do whip. Uh, we do a two out percentage where once we get two outs, we call it the end in the inning. You know, what was our percentage on once you get your second out, you immediately get your third out. We'll, we'll do a ton of that. We'll do batting average against. Uh, we'll do inherited runners. So relievers have something to hang their hat on. So we'll keep that. We will do, man, anything you can pretty much measure if I think it was cool or, or if it was really bad, I, I try and post it. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be, you know, unicorns and seahorses. Sure. And, uh, I did that for mainly for them. So, like, if they're on social media, they can see what their whole week as a staff look like. They can Mm -hmm. hang their hat on something, and then they can kind of see the game within the game. I just thought it was kind of cool just to see what a whole week looked like, you know. And then I'll do that individually with them as well. Mm -hmm. But social media-wise, just usually, hey, what's the weekend look like? We might have won three games, but these numbers aren't adding up, you know, if we want to win long-term. Or the opposite, we did a great job. You know, we lost three or four. Mm -hmm. Well, let's not, you know, jump off a ledge. Let's keep doing what we're doing. And that's what's happening more often than not is these numbers aren't matching up. Stick with the process. The data is telling us you're doing a good job. You're staying on attack. Uh, You know, lead off guys out first two strikes. That's another one. A lot of people do uh, two out of three, which we do as well. But I kind of did one in between that first pitch and the first two, three is how often are we going to stay out of a two-oh count? So uh, our goal there is 90% or higher. Uh, If you throw a first ball, you know, the bat is not over. I think when we stress first, pitch strikes too much. Then all of a sudden we became too careful and that we're either going to miss by a lot or we're going to miss by absolutely nothing, which means middle, middle. And I think both of those are really bad. So I give them a chance to get back in the count right away. That's a response kind of deal. So um, those things I like to post out there.
1: I gotcha. So I'm looking at it right now and obviously all of them have uh have letters that i'm like uh, i'm trying to figure out what this means (laughs) so the last one that you posted you guys had 79 percent san diego innings what is a san diego inning oh that's a shutdown inning but i guess we can start calling them san diego yes sd innings okay (laughs) got it shut down so that's yeah shut down inning so you get two Uh, and then you got to get the next guy immediately after that out no the the
0: shutdown inning is going to be after all we've scored offensively Perfect. We immediately come back with a zero. Okay. And in the game, let's say multiple pitchers pitch in that inning, and we, we do that. They all get credit for that. Okay. And um, then
1: uh, you guys had 75% yeah. LOM?
0: Uh, lead-off man. Okay. Uh, so your lead-off man retired.
1: So okay. first guy out of an inning, which is huge, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was 89%. And I'm I'm going to take a, take a wild guess. It's F2PS, and that's first two pitches for strikes?
0: Yes. Yes. What one of them has to be?
1: Okay. Perfect. Not that
0: the first two are. It's just one or the other. First or second.
1: Gotcha. I like that a lot. And ninety percent. That's 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 a good that's a good week. That
0: goal's tough, but it just puts hey man, let's go. You know, obviously being ahead in the count is is vital. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get two out of three, if that's what your thing is uh, with your pitching staff, well, you got to get that first one. So it either needs to be the first one or the second one. Right. So that kind of gives me the reason I do that is. When sometimes we don't know why a certain guy is struggling, it's not obvious. So we'll look at first pitch strike, and then we'll look at the first two. So if those numbers are matching up, then we know it's behind in the count. So then I combo that up with PPPA, which is pitches per plate appearance. Mm -hmm. So if that number is astronomical or higher than what we want, but yet their first pitch strikes and the first two are really high, and they're meeting our, our standards, then it's obvious that in their pens and in their prep, we're having issues putting guys away. Mm-hmm. You have an end of the count issue, not a beginning of the count. Now you can flip-flop that. and be like, <clears throat> hey, your PPPA is excellent. You're doing a great job, but your first pitch strike stuff uh, is a little wonky. You can improve here. So you kind of give them a little bit of a roadmap through that. So like to keep that
1: stuff. Like you said, you you may have gone three and zero, but if the process isn't there, then it's something that you know obviously needs to be needs to be addressed as well. And and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Talk a lot this summer, you know, in summer ball we don't get the opportunity to practice a lot, but just winning the even counts has been been a big priority for us. So your oos, your one ones, your two twos, being able to win those uh, that's been a good one. I may have to add some of those to the repertoire as well. But while we're on the subject, you know, of of throwing strikes, I think that we've We've done a lot better job in the last several years of being able to build up just velocity and, and through more efficient mechanics, uh, strength mm-hmm. programs, arm care programs, <clears throat> weighted balls. And, you know, we've learned to build that up, but how do we develop command? That's something that, that I've, that I've asked a lot of people and it's, it's something that's really, really tough to do, but I want to hear your take on it. Well,
0: there's many different, everyone wants that. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and there's different ways, you know, People will argue or uh, don't believe it's either going to be you can't fix it or you can fix it mm-hmm. or there's different ways to do it. Non-traditional wise was partnered up with Line in the fall, testing out some of their, their stuff that they had uh, with uh, their command training balls, differential in size and weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing that to a command trainer quite a bit, seeing if it uh, translated, which, you know, on some guys it did and stuff like that. And some guys, uh, we need more data on. Um, so I did that with our red shirts. Uh, they were on that more than they were actually throwing to a catcher at points, uh, and then to see if it translated. So that was one way we were trying to find some different ways to do it. Uh, I think mentality is huge. I think a lot of the time with command is somehow, some way we talk ourselves out of success and there's many different, you know, rabbit holes you can go down with that, how they're talking to themselves, why why are they talking to themselves that way, the batter, how they're feeling, all that stuff is a factor. So teaching them to, you know, trust the zone a little bit has been huge for us in terms of of command. And then obviously I don't overemphasize or give them fear of being behind in the count, even though we have our goals. We just talked about that too, is mm-hmm. those are in place. But when those become such a huge priority, those numbers actually get worse. So I try to pick my spots when talking about it. And I like to use a lot more external style practices, competitions and stuff like that, stuff that doesn't get the mind in the way and. I think it's quicker to teach it when it is externally focused. And obviously in catch play, we're not a huge, crazy catch play pitching program where I'm there watching every single throw they throw on flat ground, on grass, you know, slowed down. However, there'll be a certain body part that I want to make sure that they're trying to constantly pound Mm -hmm. left rib cage, right rib cage, hat, kind of how we used to play 21 back in the day. So it's not stressful, but yet they're still working on something. Uh, So, you know, that's something I try to teach. Have seen kind of like some of the the guys that are are bad at lead leg blocking in both directions. Too much or or pretty sloppy drifters. They usually have some issues. And so as they clean that kind of lower half stuff up, you kind of see the ball. At least their misses become more quality they might not hit as many but their misses become more competitive which i think is command because all the studies are out that even pro guys are, are bad at command so if that's the case it's about how good are our how good are our misses not necessarily how many hits we have so we try to stress that uh and keep them positive in their pins at the same time when we have that kind of approach.
1: I love that. And we invested in some of the differential training balls this fall Mm -hmm. or this, this spring. And I like those a lot just because, again, it's, it's something that throws your central nervous system for a little bit of a loop because the balls are either 5% bigger, smaller in weight and size. And so it's kids like different. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. And, and if we're, if we show the kids that we're trying to, if we're trying something different, they're going to go, man, so coach is trying, uh, trying something different with me today, man. He's, so he must be learning. So this is going to excite me a little bit. So that's the reaction that I've gotten. And that's why, you know, I think coaches posting on social media and just showing what they've learned and your traffic kryptonite and stuff like that. It's, it's always good. And, and depending on your personality and whatnot, but the kids feed on that because they're on social media all the time. But the kids also feed on trying things that are new and trying things that are different trying things that are progressive and whether or not they work or not, that's for us to find out. But, It's just, you know, just the ability to be able to try new things and not go into the same thing over and over and over all the time It's it really keeps the kids going as well and and ourselves. But let's give some advice to coaches and talk to us about what you got, what you are changing from last year to now We're we're going through summer, we're learning as much as we can and we're reflecting on the year before. And what are you changing from last year to now this upcoming year?
0: That's a great question. And this is kind of the fun time of the year. <laughs> sure. So, a couple of things, and it, some of them blend over. Like, I wanted to continue to trust in more, uh, you know, on hand hitter change ups, not only, you know, for myself, trusting to call it more often, but also having our pitchers execute it uh, in bigger situations. That's something in the fall that we're going to be doing more and more, uh, just as an added weapon in uh, a different look. Uh, one thing that I'm really trying to pick other people's brain on and trying to watch a ton of video on and stuff like that is it, it's a, I'm calling it an epidemic where every hitter that I'm scouting is on the dish now. And I mean like on the dish. So obviously when we have our fake batter in there and bullpens and, and stuff like that, uh, I put him right on the chalk line mm-hmm. because that's all they're seeing nowadays. They rarely do you see the guy off the dish or regularly, uh, in the box. So how are we going to combat that? I think the easy answer is throw inside more. But that's not necessarily the only way to attack that. So I'm trying to find out pick up other people's brains. I think the right on right change up left on left change up and stuff like that uh, has been uh, a, a weapon to combat that a little bit. Because obviously, they're excited. They're looking for something uh, that you're not throwing, which is good. And all these guys have a bunch of b- body armor. Well, that's not going to change. Sure. So we got to make the change. So I'm trying to think of how uh, to fix that. Um, because if you do it well, you can shut some people down pretty easy. And they don't know what happened. However, if you don't do that, it's going to be a long weekend. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there's going to be some balls that go pretty far. So definitely that. Um, different warm-up protocols. So we use uh, Texas Baseball Ranch kind of some hurdle stuff. But predominantly we use a lot of the driveline stuff I, I love what they do they have great example videos uh, some mobility stuff that they have uh if you uh purchase hacking the connect chain they have all that stuff we do that but and the and the jaeger bands however was watching some stuff at pitchapalooza and some of lance wheeler's kind of stuff that he has on his website on how to on a random day is, hey, we're not going to do J-bands today. We're actually going to be using plyo balls or shoulder tubing a little bit differently. So giving them a different style of warm-up, I'm putting that together, mm-hmm. how I want that to look in a week. Um So really doing that. And the really thing that I'm pretty excited about right now is taking into account all types of stress, which uh Dr. I'm a butcher, his name, Oster. Dr. Up, Oster, uh, Stephen Oster. Is that, yes, is that, he's at the BDG. Uh-huh. His recovery book I read, I loved it, and it was only—it was just because I thought there was just—it was just a different angle and a little bit of a wake-up call in terms of all stress. So, changing some of how I, I look at recovery, how I get feedback, uh, I started to do it at the end of the year with our starters. Uh, you know, I have some pretty smart kids here at UC San Diego, so they are stressed—you know—all the time, stressed in training, stressed in throwing, stressed in school. Mm -hmm. Well, what was I doing? The first thing I would do is with my 4.0 biopharmaceutical starting pitcher is I'm going to stick him on a chart the next day. So he's grinding on a chart. He's doing all these things for me. He's doing the calculations for me. Well, I've thrown him into another stressful situation. So I straight up took him off of charts Mm -hmm. the day after he pitches my starting pitchers. uh, I try when possible. They're not going to chart the next day. They're actually going to have a true hey let's be a true PO, let's throw the blades on uh, and let's, you know, get the bad PO name and hey, you know, non-athlete, you're not doing anything today. Yeah, exactly.
1: And fungal I'm going to give
0: that body 24 hours. Yep. Not even <laughs> that. I mean, well, if they want to, if that makes them happy, they can do that. Uh, But 24 hours to let the body do what it's naturally supposed to do, then I'm going to start doing some of my uh, recovery protocols and stuff like that. So that's one thing I'm going to change or continue to change uh, and do more of uh, this next fall and see what happens and track that and uh, see how that goes. So I'm pretty excited about that stuff. I like it.
1: No, definitely. And Dr. Oster, a former guest of the show, and just wrote their their recovery recovery document or a recovery book and fantastic read. So you guys make sure you go check mm-hmm. that out. If if this sounds interesting to you, it's it's well worth. Uh, I don't know what what the price is, but put a price on it. It's well worth that, because, again, like Coach James said, it's a different angle. And, you know, everything that he does, he wants to be backed by evidence. And so instead of doing the things that we've always done, he's trying to take the stance of let's do things that we know are true. So you guys go check him out. at at And and
0: yeah, you don't always and not in regards to him, but everyone thinks like you have to agree with everything everyone says. And that's not true. Is You just pick some things you know, from these guys, and then you make it your own. I think there's a ton of stuff, you know, and what he put out that is applicable to us, might not be to some other people might be all it doesn't, it it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You're in charge of your staff. And I think that's where uh, some people can separate themselves and how you implement it, what you implement, what's important, what's not important to you as the, the guy in charge of the pitching staff or team, and or each individual kind of pitcher. So uh, definitely a great resource and a, a new one to kind of pick at.
1: Oh, for sure. So talk to us about, and this This is a new question, but it may be my favorite question just because we all do weird stuff. I mean, we're coaches. All coaches are similar in something. But talk to us about why or something that you guys do that other coaches probably think that you're crazy for doing.
0: Uh, I don't think anyone's told me that
1: yet, which might... <laughs>
0: Uh, which they actually might be having fun behind my back, I guess. So I think some people think how we train is is crazy. And I mean, what happens is, uh, so we'll roll up to a field and we have two little girl gymnastic mats, <laughs> folded <laughs> gymnastic mats. And we're trying to hang it up on, you know, chain link fences. So we have a portable plyo wall. Uh, it's on the bottom of our uh, bus. We're trying to hang it on a tree. We're trying to do all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, we're, you know, we're chucking different color balls. We're doing some twist and drill. So I think from afar, they're probably like, I don't know if these guys are here to play baseball or not. So I think that might be it. (laughs) Yeah. And our dugouts, uh, our dugout can get a little crazy before the game and stuff like that. So not, not different from anyone else's dugout, I bet, but yeah, we can look crazy at times for sure.
1: No doubt. No doubt. So the next question is about you know what are what our players love to do. So what's something that you guys do in practice that if you said hey guys we're doing this today players just are going crazy because they love it.
0: Our guys like our competition pens because we keep uh, a a win loss record like there are standings in a season
1: which lead uh,
0: so there's always a winner there's always a win or a loss to everything we do. So do we keep that kind of one on one bullpen competition uh, horse. Uh, you know, first one to a certain, uh, number of wins. That's, that's recorded. And then whenever we start getting into our bullpen tournament, we do a 16 pitcher, uh, single elimination, end of the season, uh, bullpen tournament where, you know, the rest of the staff's allowed to kind of pick who they want. Uh, nice. our position guys will actually fill out a bracket. Uh, so they kind of, <laughs> they like that. I and love that I, a lot. they're like, Hey, they'll stop their, their cage work and they'll come and watch and, I I actively kind of want them to root against somebody. (laughs) Some some funny stuff happens when that's happening, obviously, at the college level. And I think they like. I I don't know if they love or like. I don't know. But uh, we have a quote of the day for the pitching staff uh, and as the team, but a separate one for the pitching. Uh, And I'll ask, how does this apply to you? And I'll pick somebody random. And I think they like it. Because when someone isn't ready for the answer, some of the stuff that comes out's pretty good, just like in the thing. Uh, so I think they kind of look forward to maybe, in a way, someone not being on their A game on that. Nice. <laughs> uh, and we, we have a good time uh, with that every almost every single day. So I think that would be two one two of them.
1: I got you. Do you guys do the competition pins during the spring as well? Uh,
0: spring and fall, yes. Okay. So I'll do two competitions now. Sometimes uh, in the past, it's actually gone the whole entire year. Mm-hmm. So they keep getting wins and losses. They keep doing this because what happens is I can't, or the tournament will start at the beginning of the spring, and it can't finish like this year until very end because the starter, like the guys who are left, one guy might be a starter, one guy might be a reliever, and his bullpen, their, bull, their bull, bullpen days aren't matching up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to tweak that just to get a competition pin in. So, then I don't get fired uh, hmm. for throwing a guy on a rest day and, uh, and all that other stuff. So, it takes a while to kind of get through it. Sometimes it doesn't always match up. So, you can do one in the fall, one in the spring, or just one big, massive uh, one per season. So,
1: I gotcha. Very cool. And that's I love on it. I think
0: it's fun. And it's
1: is that on strike percentage? Uh, it's straight hitter. or, hit or miss. miss. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: So, I'll, I'll chart out uh, 15 to 20 pitches. And I'll tell you what style I want that pitch, if you know what style count it is, and they both have to try and go. It compounds, it creates fake energy or fake uh, um, pressure mm-hmm. because it can compound. And this one change up, you know, for a strike or change up a ball off the dish is worth six points and we're going to eight. So all of a sudden your mind's racing and, and it, you know, the lower seed might get jumped right now. So everyone's screaming, you got to throw a change up you haven't thrown a change up well in two weeks. So it just adds a lot of fun and and a lot of, like you said, fake pressure, which it's hard to replicate, you know, outside the game element.
1: No, I love that. And anything that we can do to compete, it's obviously, you know, we, we want to be able to do that and, and making something as most would say, monotonous bullpens competitive. That's a, that's a big win in my book, but before you go, and again, thank you so much for joining us. And I, ton of actionable and practical content in this episode but give us your favorite uh, resources and books so we can start digging into those
0: man there's a there's a lot there's a lot out there there's a lot of free info out there uh, you just have to look uh, and you know I tell all my pitchers and other guys that I talk with it's about being a kind of a pitching nerd you want to nerd out to this stuff and the more you do it the more exciting so First and foremost, uh, you know I owe a ton to and knowledge wise and and success to driveline, uh, my friends uh, up there, Matt Daniels. Uh, you know, obviously Kyle and, and Mike and and all them. So their blogs, uh, I like every time they put out a blog. I was really lucky to be asked to you know contribute to that. But I think you know the number one resource that. Everyone should read and you don't have to use all of it, but just start to look at pitching in a whole different way is get hacking the kinetic chain Mm -hmm. with them. It comes with video, too. I think that was a complete game changer um, and huge. And I constantly reference that still to this day and stuff like that. Lance Wheeler, Baseball Think Tank on Twitter and or Instagram. So he runs Pitchapalooza. So I love going to Pitchapalooza. That was an awesome experience to hear all these speakers. Uh, But he also has a great website where you can purchase some of these DVDs or years or certain things that he's done that I think are worth every cent. Ben Brewster uh, on Twitter uh, with Tread Athletics does an unreal job, I think, bridging the gap between player and coach. Mm -hmm. Our guys really relate, and I like his videos, and I think he's – uh, doing a really good job uh, so he'll put some stuff out that I'm like hey man I really like that I'm not going to try and come up with that my own I'm going to say hey this guy Ben over here is doing awesome this is what he's saying about sleep different tweaks and plyos hey watch this video follow this guy it's really good our guys really have gravitated towards him uh, and he's helped me out in the past when I've reached out and had some questions um, obviously we just talked about the recovery book. Uh, Oster was, does that's a, I think that's a must purchase. Another must purchase that we use religiously is the mental ABCs of pitching. Mm-hmm. It's old, but there is so much good info in that. If you want to teach them in the mental game and it's broken up small. Uh, so we use that, uh, like I said, religiously, everyone says it, but the ultimate guide to pitching by Derek Johnson. That's a good one. I think it was like the first cool, like, whoa, this is a great pitching book. And I think it's good because it keeps it very simple, but yet there's some really good concepts in there. And there's a DVD that comes with it for training and and what they're doing. And then the podcast, your podcast, you've killed it. I look forward to, you know, talking with you and then also listening to your podcast in the car when I'm going about four miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And obviously... The ABCA's done a great job with their podcasts. Um, so look for those kind of things. And then I think the most important thing would be other coaches. I've had so many. I've been very lucky to have reach out to guys who were so open to let me come shadow their practice and maybe ask that dumb question that I wasn't comfortable asking in front of some other people or Hey, what are you doing? And you might not agree with what they're doing, but then you go, okay, well, maybe I do need to think about that some more or, uh, people you, you do agree with. You're like, Hey, okay. And we're doing this right. I think that's completely invaluable. And I think if you really reach out, there's some people that are willing to help out there and just watch what other coaches do and, and don't, you know, go in there with an ego thinking, Hey, what I'm doing is, is the best. And it's the only thing there's constant tweaks that need to be made. And then like, like your question earlier, that's how you start making changes in the summer and spring, uh, summer and fall and your pitching program continues to grow every single year and doesn't get monotonous. So that would be my
1: suggestions. A ton of great content there. And, you know, I've, I've dug into actually every single one of those, and I can definitely, I'll, I'll second every one of those. I mean, anything Harvey Dorfman, any, anything, any of those guys have put out is, is really, really good. And it's, it changed. It's changed your career for the better, and it's definitely changed my career for the better as well. So make sure you guys are following them or reaching out or reading that content. I love it, and, and thanks for the shout-out for this podcast. If any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you just to you know touch your base on really anything, uh, how would they do that?
0: Uh, they can send me uh, an email, jwj013 at ucsd.edu, couple of guys have reached out here and there. Um, and I try to share what we can and, uh, Twitter, I usually try, I'm pretty active on Twitter or at least try to be, uh, that's at coach James underscore three. Same thing with kind of Instagram, but I usually kind of just kind of go back and forth. That's kind of more for my, my, my kids, uh, and some baseball. So if you want to tolerate, uh, my two gremlins on there, you know, mixed in with some pitching stuff, uh, I do that that's probably the best way. And then obviously if you happen to see me out and about and you have some random question, I would love to talk with anybody because it's just been huge. People have done that for me. So I would like to give back.
1: All right, coach James. Well, it's been a pleasure and you know, I'm just going to open up the mic. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Or is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go?
0: No, not much, except I think uh, you're doing an awesome job. I, I mean, Before I was asked to come on this, I mean, I was a big fan of yours. And I think it's just such a good resource for guys who are in the car uh, or just doing anything to kind of get these different perspectives and stuff like that. I know it's helped me out a lot. So I appreciate what you're doing and think it's excellent.
1: Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group, and if you want to be a part of the mini-clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.